clear for takeoff. Once again, welcome to Jet Fuel, the Jets Discord podcast. As always, I am your party host, Joe Rivera. And along with me, as always, is my astute, educational, incredibly handsome co-host. He is Woody Johnson's personal secretary, none other than Matt Szilard, a.k.a. King Sliz. Sliz, say hello, my friend. Hey, I'm going to be busy this week if I'm uh, if I'm working <laughs> for Woody, man. He uh, can't be all too happy with that uh, that finish, that stretch, that really the whole post-buy. I was just looking at it earlier. I was like, man, like when was the last game we won? And I was like, man, I think it was Chicago. And I was like, yep. one win after the bye, man. Not good. Yep. Uh, yeah. Lots of uh, lots of questions to be asked. Lots of uh, lots of process to be had. Um, you know, shouting out what Sala said and going through his process, which has been an ominous phrase. But uh, we'll see where we end up, man. So let's start there, Sliz, with the runway rundown. And listen, we I, I don't like to take victory laps. You know, like I, it's not what I do. Honestly, I think people who put out takes in the ether and then just try and stand on being right about them is like super obnoxious, but I do want to say, baby. I do want to say, yeah, I do want to say the prophecy has been fulfilled. I know people like Ninja were really upset because I was, was speaking the truth when I said the jets weren't winning another game the rest of the season. As it turns out, they went on a six game losing streak to end the season. And they were, as, as I predicted, I said there would be Oh, and four to end the season. And that's exactly what happened. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's a product of one of these intangible things where being a Jets fan for so long, you can kind of see it coming, right? Like you get that feeling in your gut and you don't want to be hyper doomer, but I just felt it, you know? And I, and I said last week on Heat Seekers, like the vibe around the team just didn't feel good. It didn't feel right. Something about it was off. And listen, losing losing out, choking away, playoff spot like that, and, and losing to Miami. And, you know, when you have a chance to play spoiler, but, you know, I guess I'd rather have Miami in than, than New England. But um, play, did the opportunity to play spoiler at the end and, and just coming up short, it sucks, right? It's just a terrible feeling. You go into the offseason on such a low. All you're going to have is sticking in your craw as a six-game losing streak. And like you said, Sliz, so many questions to be asked over the next few weeks, over the next few months. Overall, what what's kind of your feel about what the Jets are going to do this offseason? Now, we can put the Miami game in the rearview mirror. I think we all know like this is, you know, there's not a lot to be gleaned from this game. I mean, Salah played all the second stringers and third stringers. I mean, you know, Joe Flacco's washed. That was his swan song. You know, there's nothing to be talk about that game, whatever. But what, what, what do you, what's your take on, on what the Jets might do this postseason? Well, I, I do want to point. So losing did have some benefit in terms of draft stock, although the, the rest of the league really did us no favors. We could have gotten, I think, as high as 10. Um, got zero help from the teams that needed to win to push us up the board. And just because of our strength of schedule, we're in like a five-way tie at seven and 10 and we're bottom of that list. So right. helps us with the second round draft pick does not help us in the first round. So land that pick 13 better than I think pick if we would have won would have been pick 15, I believe. So not a huge difference, but um, could be the difference of being in striking range for a tackle or a quarterback. So um, I guess wanted to point out that I guess losing did help in a, a little bit, um, not not a ton, and and 
I know there's a lot of questioning and and certainly we benched a lot of first stringers on offense, a lot of nicked up and injured guys. Um, we did for the most part play at our starting defense. And, and I know there is some blowback or questioning about that, but it's a, like certainly the defense deserved to finish on a high note with the season they put in, but then there's also guys. So like Carl Lawson was playing for an incentive, right? Like playing those guys and them getting stats and Sala said it at the beginning of the year, he said it with the AVT situation, like his job is to help these guys make money and him playing those guys helps them make money. And, and Carl, Carl Lawson was one sack away from getting a 600 K incentive, which, uh, he did not get. He was inches away from getting it on the one play where where Quinnen got up the gut and flushed uh, Skyler out of the pocket, and and Lawson had his hands on him. He just he wiggled his way out of it. Um, but good for us that he didn't get it. Saves us six hundred against the cap. <laughs> kind of sucks for him, but I just wanted to kind of put that out into the ether there that like yes, you want to protect some guys or like you want to see the young guys play, but it it is important to get those guys out there, the veterans and they, those guys are playing for money too. So um, I just didn't want to lose sight of that. Right. Just want to give an early shout out to Jamie and Sherwood. You know, he, he is him. Right. And, and he graded out pretty well in this game and in limited snaps this year, he's actually graded out well. And listen, you don't want to put a overemphasis on, on that, but you know, altogether Sliz, it's, it just leaves such a bad taste in your mouth, right? It, it does. I man. mean, it's just like, what what else can be said? Like we we've broken down the numbers, we've talked about the numbers all year. At at I understand like we're playing for a draft pick at that point, but I don't know about you. I watch sports because I like the feeling of winning, right? Yeah. And, I, oh, yeah. and and like, I understand like tanking is for the greater good and all this stuff, but I, I kind of feel like I, I really want to stop being put in this position where, Oh my God, you're rooting for a win in week 18, like making me feel like the bad guy because I want my yep. team to win. Right. Yeah. It's such, it's such a crappy position, but well, especially when your team's looking lifeless, I think that's like taking a step back. Like that was the worst part of this finish to the season. It, not only that we lost all those games, it, like Detroit and Minnesota losing those games sucked, but it's like you at least were in it. You kind of you punched back. Every other game, man, was just like yeah. no shot from the get go. Like like the Jags game after we got that that strip strip sack on the the opening Jags drive, and then did absolutely nothing with it. And then the Jags go down the field. It's like all right, yeah. this game's over. Yeah, yeah. The the Seahawks game, like right after that, Ken Walker long run off the get-go, oh, this game's over. And then, and then this Miami game was just like a wet noodle battle, right? Right. It's like, I don't, you don't want to win this game. I don't know. Mm-hmm. No one wanted to win that game. But, right. Um, what what sucks, what sucks too, Sliz, is that, you know, we said not too long ago on this podcast, I want to say when we're around six and three or five and two, whatever it was, you know, you take a look at this team and you take a look at the Lions and the Jaguars and, all of a sudden you say to yourself, well, look how much further we are along in our rebuild than they are. Right. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, as soon as you say that, everything flips, right? The Jaguars end up going on a little bit of a run. Trevor Lawrence looks like the real deal. And this is why, listen, you don't, 
give up on talent after a year and a half. Usually that's another narrative I'm kind of tired of. I understand that when you see a guy like Zach Wilson and you say, we have to cut, cut ties with him. I get it, but you just, it's hard for me to ever give up on talent that quickly, especially in football. Right. But you look at the Jaguars, they turn around, they end up winning the AFC South. You look at the lions who were in it until week 18. And they were another team that they turned around. They had a lot of injuries earlier in the year. And if they didn't deal with all of those injuries, maybe they're playing for for more at that spot than, than just you know being able to spoil the Packers season in Week 18. But I, I I just don't. The Jets are in a very very tenuous spot right now, and we mentioned it on the podcast last week. Joe Douglas got a lot of work to do, a lot of work to do this off season, and I think the last everything post by is indicative of that. Right. Quarterback is obviously at the forefront. Everybody's going to talk about quarterback. It's not just quarterback, man. It's the linebacker core, which is terrible. And we've been saying it since day one. Linebackers are so crucial to Robert Sala's defense. Right. It's it's everything on the offensive line. I mean, you're talking about left tackle. You're going to need a new guy, whether that's, you know, we'll talk about back to in a bit. You need a new guy, left tackle. You're going to, I mean, I don't even know what they do with Lake and Tomlinson. I mean, it's just, I, I don't know. with them, man. Yeah, I mean, I just don't know what you do with them. You, you pray like, for a bounce back. Yeah. It's, and, yeah, you pray better Better tackle play helps right. elevate them. That, I mean, Connor, right, Connor McGovern, he, McGovern, he's another one, right? Like league average center, he was the definition of fine, right? Some games he looked good, some games he got washed, whatever. Right guard, you hope AVT comes back. And then right tackle, which is going to be a massive question mark again. Because, listen, everybody, Max Mitchell was a meme, right? Mid-Max was a meme for a while. I hope he develops into something, don't get me wrong. But he didn't grade out well this year. There were games where he looked, you know, he beyond the grade, he looked not bad. But all this to say is there's so much heavy lifting to be done. Like, And it's not just a matter of, oh, you need a guy here and a guy there. It's total units, dude, that need to be fixed. Yeah, and it's tough. Like, this is going to be a true test offseason-wise in terms of we don't have a ridiculous amount of capital this year. You have to pick and choose. You have to choose, you know, guy A over guy B. You can't have both. You have to pick a direction and, and be committed. And um, in general, and, and I think di- the Discord is probably more critical of Joe Douglas than other Jets spaces, and I think a lot of that's not that... The Discord is is more <laughs> negative on everything than a lot of other... Like I said on the Discord a couple like a week ago, I feel like every time I open this app, I feel like I'm being gaslit. Like Everything I learned from everywhere else is like telling you one thing, and then the Discord's like, everything is wrong, but whatever. Continue. Go ahead. But... Joe's done a lot of good, but in general, it feels like he's been very inefficient with the capital we had. It's not that he hasn't been necessarily like he has, he's had hits, right? He's had a lot of hits even, but he's also had a ridiculous amount of capital. So it's okay when we don't have that ridiculous amount of capital, when you don't have two drafts worth of picks in one year, when you don't have a ton of cap space. If we don't have the spray and bullets approach, those misses hurt a little bit more, right? And and you you do need to be a little more efficient. You you can't afford to miss as much, especially in a year where we're gonna be, you know, this is gonna be the season, you know, put up or shut up for this front office, for probably this coaching staff. I, I assume they're all tied at the hip. 
and we'll see where it goes. Like you said, this went probably as bad as it possibly could have. Like when you when you look back from where we were at the bye, feeling pretty good to just everything that unraveled. You know, the that we lost the Detroit game in part due to poor poor time management by the coach. Obviously our quarterback situation was a total mess and our our the guy you had a lot of faith in looked awful and then we we kind of fumbled it with our carousel and probably broke him even more than maybe he even needed to. The the guy that you had some hope in got injured and <laughs> looked didn't look the part post injury and then the guy you brought in to be the steady hold the ship hold the fort mentor all that just look i mean he he looks like he should be retired right and joe flacco so like on that side there's all the questions about the play calling and how much you know that whole carousel i i you know i've been a big big michael fleur defender from the start i think what you look at what he did in the first half of the season when we had Brees, when we had avt we were very very inventive you know that i I've been yelling pony package from the rooftops because that feels like a lifetime ago. Right. Like we were, we were doing interesting, fun things with the offense and moving the ball as a result. And a lot of that went away. How much of that can you attribute to poor quarterback play? Just the quarterback carousel versus just Michael Fleur kind of folding and throwing his hands up and, just having to vanilla dumb it down. How much was it him just being overmatched by the situation? I don't know. I think it's fair to question it. I do think jumping into the fight. And I said it last week, I think jumping to firing. I know that's what everyone wants. I think that's still too extreme, nor do I think it's really going to happen. Um, we'll get some, I'll get a, an, an early geek of the week out of the way. Everyone calling for Woody to personally fire Michael Lafleur after spending a decade complaining how Woody is one of the worst owners in the league because he meddles and does stuff like that. Like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, just <laughs> come on. I mean, the thing about LaFleur is, and, and I like, Sliz, I've been with you for a majority of this. I'm much more, I'm not a LaFleur apologist, but I think he deserves a little bit of leeway just given everything that's happened with this offense. It was the quarterbacks. It was the offensive line being bad. It was losing Brees Hall. It was losing AVT. It was, Elijah Moore underwhelming this year. It was just an amalgamation of things, right? It wasn't just one thing. It wasn't just Michael Floor being bad all year, right? So that's why I think he's going to get another year. I think that Salah is going to make a hire. I don't know who that hire is. Like I saw Gary Kubiak. I don't even know if Gary Kubiak would be up to it, like as a senior offensive assistant type deal. Uh, I, I personally would like it. I wouldn't hate it. I don't know if he's up to it though. You know, I, obviously the system is the same, whatever, but there's a few other names out there that have been floated. You mentioned one the other day. I forget. I forget who, but uh, I got they, a, I got a couple. So, I mean, so following jumping in, we, we had a whole, have a whole bullet here on the exit interviews and gleaned a whole lot from that. So yeah, like Stala said, yeah, we're basically flat out said, we're going to add a veteran to that room right on the offensive side and in, in terms of the coaching staff. And so the names that stick out to me were and and the first name everyone, you know, I already gave Huntington Huntington several heart attacks even just suggesting it was um uh Nathaniel oh, Hackett. 
Uh Nathaniel Hackett, right? Where he's probably going back to Green Bay, but if he was looking for a fresh opportunity or, and it sounds like Green Bay is willing to have him back. If if they weren't, we would have been an obvious landing spot for him with the LaFleur familiarity. Um, He'd be able to kind of be a little hands off, kind of reset his own mental after a very, very rough uh, stint in Denver. But that sounds probably like it's not going to happen. The name right. and and I'm going to I'm going to attribute because uh, shout out Chris Schubert uh, with the draft network heard it on their pod. Uh, the draft dudes doing getting some getting some draft recon, turn the brain to draft mode, man. But um, well, be- better now than in like, you know, October. Right. True. But, you know. He threw out a very interesting name and it's interesting for a couple of reasons. So we've heard uh, Sean McVay. It is potentially, maybe even likely, stepping away from football, um, retiring, which means that staff, you know, that roster is not in a great spot. That staff might dissolve. You, you don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But a name on that staff that is pretty well known is one Greg Olson, the coach, not the the former tight end. Um, and he's been a quarterback coach, an offensive coordinator multiple stints at both of those positions and funny enough he also was the oc for Derek carr under john gruden so that's a name out there uh like you said gary kubiak uh is a name being floated again i'm with you i i don't think i think he's done with football and if he were not to be done i don't think this is the job you come back for um I mean, he's, you know, he's 61, he's 61. He's not too old. Right. I mean, he's, that's perfect for like a, Hey man, here, just cash some checks, you know, go make some copies in the copy room, you know, the babysit Michael floor, make sure Zach doesn't throw the ball to the other defense, to the other team six times a game and, you know, go home and spend time with your kid, like nothing too stressful, you know, but I don't know if that's even again in, in his, in his mind's eye, you know, I don't know if that's a, but it, it makes a lot of sense just on the surface. If if we want to get kind of wacky, and I don't even know what his status is with the league, if he's tangentially banned by being a Gruden, and I'm not talking John, I'm talking his brother Jay Gruden, um, Teutonic threw that out, and you, that name is significant because a lot of these guys in the Shanahan tree came up under Jay Gruden in Washington. Right. And so that's like, hey – kind of start getting your your big toe back into the league that way and like i said i don't know there's a lot of behind the scenes politics with that i'm sure um but that would be a welcome addition to the room if you're looking for a veteran guy to give perspective and help help balance out michael floor right um that's a good name so that i mean there's a couple there there's options right ultimately that's there's options so Again, I, I feel like firing LaFleur while everybody wants it, it's and, and the thing of part of what Sala was saying the other day, and if you watch this press conference, I think we kind of undersold just how much Greg Knapp was gonna mean to the staff. I, I and at the time it was like, oh well, that's a good hire, but Sala said last he didn't want to he didn't want too many cooks in the kitchen last year. He'd never filled the position. And now all of a sudden you're, you're saying to yourself, well, why did we not, you know, like it was clear that we were, we were grasping at straws last year with, you know, bringing in John Beck and, 
you know, Zach looked a little bit better after John Beck was brought in, you know, post-injury last year and, and it made more sense. He made more sense there, but now we have to start, I don't want to say get, get inventive, but Salah needs to bring more experience into the staff, especially the offensive side of the ball is, is what's obvious now. Right. Because when he put the staff together, everybody said, well, there, there's a lot of names that make sense. I mean, Miles Austin made, made a ton of sense as wide receiver. like, he, And he was really good, too. Miles Austin was a good player, too. So let's not forget that. He's a pretty good player. Oh, yeah. not, not a great player, a solid player, but good coach. Like, you look at some of the other guys, uh, Tyler Hembry, like, you know, well, there's a lot of potential, potential in these guys, right? But nobody who, like, outside of Greg Knapp was, like, that dude who was, like, well, this is the experienced, been around the league, offensive oh, yeah. guy. Right. Yeah, big time. And it's been a mistake. Let's be honest. It's been it's been a total mistake. And they haven't and good grown. on good on. I feel like both Sala and Joe Douglas did a really I feel like they were very transparent and owning it. Mm-hmm. Like just every the whole situation, the Zach right. situation, just everything. Yeah, like we we missed, right? We we could have done better. And right. I mean, acknowledging it is the first step in order to fixing it right right if you never acknowledge it you can never fix it so right. that's at least a positive there right so i don't think the i don't think the the uh, offense coordinator is going to change but i definitely think there will be additions to that room so we'll see how it shows how it how it all comes together so the other thing Sliz, that I, I do want to talk about is this zach wilson quote that a lot of people are are taking the Zach Wilson quote and they're just turning it into something that it's totally not. Listen, man, I don't I don't know how it's like very very like it it sounds bad because it, it's, it doesn't even it, sound that bad. It's, no, it's it doesn't very sound obvious like, what he's saying, man. This is one of those things that I work in the media, so I can tell you I know what the media does. You know, it's not rocket science here, right? When they when they find a target. They go after the target and it doesn't matter in context, out of context, because they know, especially when you slap that quote on a graphic and you throw it on Instagram, these dorks on Instagram aren't looking for more context. They're just, they're, they're engaging with it. And that's what they want at the end of the day. So just want to say the Zach Wilson quote about making the veterans life a living hell. I heard that quote. I'm like, that's the right attitude to have. He should make it very difficult for whoever it is. Like if he's on the team, you know, if he's in camp, whatever. But if that's the plan, then then he should go out there and be miserable, like be on their ass, like go after these guys, like challenge them in camp, show that you can make these wow throws. I have no problem with what Zach said. You know, I, I ultimately like again, is he gonna be on the team next year? I don't know. I think so. I think it's like a 75, 25% chance that he's on the team, depending on what they do at quarterback. Is it Garoppolo? Is it, you know, whoever else? I don't know. But I, I, I just like, I'm, I'm so tired of like the context free, you know, phony outrage. Oh my God. I can't believe he said, you know, he's going to be a pain. In, it's just so stupid. It's just dumb. Yeah, I feel like there's, I feel like there are a couple paths that we take a quarterback where Zach's not on the roster, but I feel like most of them, still end up with Zach on the roster. Right. If if nothing else, he's a guy you're not really saving much from moving on from him. You're probably not getting much from moving on to him. Right. He's shown even like if Detroit game is what he's going to be the rest of his career, that's still good enough to be back up. So, um, yeah, I, I, I do think he's, he's going to be around. I don't think they're just 
just you know puffing them up and saying you know trying to say yeah we still believe him we still think he's going to develop I, I think they they plan on sticking him on in the back seat and hoping he works through it yeah i think you know what sliz and we're going to talk about this a little bit next week on our season wrap-up spectacular that we hope you all will join us for but I just get this gut feeling that this team is very not done with Zach. I, I think that they're going to bring in a veteran. I think they're going to bring in a Garoppolo type or whoever else, like maybe even Jacoby Brissett, depending on what his contract looks like. And Zach, you're going to look at a QB room that has Zach, Mike White, and whoever they end up signing. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I, I think that they want to give him an opportunity to get right. And I also don't, think that Joe Douglas wants to sell so low because look where he comes from, look partially where he comes from and Philadelphia, right? And what did Philadelphia do for a long time? They just stockpiled quarterbacks, right? The Howie Roseman understands the value of having quarterbacks on your, and not like schmoes on your, on your roster, right? You have these guys and you, you end up getting, you know, a third round pick or a fourth round pick. Someone goes down with an injury during training camp and all of a sudden you have commodity, right? So how he profited off us, right? He had, right. he had Hertz, he had Minshew and he had Flacco and he sold right. Flacco off to us, right? Right. That, that, that happened just last year. <laughs> so, so I don't like, I don't think that they're going to go, they're going to go into next season saying to themselves, oh, well, the veteran and Mike White is, is the solution. I just don't see that. I, I, I don't think the team has enough faith in Mike white as a franchise type quarterback. And I don't think that they want to give up on Zach so easy. It's just a gut feeling. So we'll see how it works out. The, this is big news, both literally and figuratively Sliz. Maybe not big anymore, right? Maybe not big anymore. Uh, Makai Becton showing up seemingly in shape. You know, you can always tell when, you can always tell when someone's losing weight by their face, right? Just the way that they look in their face. And Becton's looking a bit slimmer in his face, which is good. And just like the the shots that you saw of him at his locker talking to the media, he looks like he's dropped some weight, man. And good for him. I mean, a, a lot of a lot of weight in his. That's words. what he said. Right. Right. He doesn't look like as exhausted either. And I don't know if that's just <laughs> being away from the media for a season. I, I'm mm-hmm. sure that plays a big part of it, too. Right. But I, I think him and, and you've seen him on, you know, just Jets Twitter account does those weekly videos and stuff. And you've seen him in a couple of those. And, and yeah. like he, he's been in and around the team. He said, hey, you know, I moved my kid up here. It's been good seeing my kid growing up, growing up. And it, it's get, it gives him something else. Yeah, like it feels like if nothing else, he's matured, right. which is which is huge. Right. Being around the team in the facility, matured mentally right that at least gives him a fighting chance along with actually getting his knees fixed like properly fixed straightened out and aligned so still you can't count on it just based on history there but it gives you some hope that if nothing else he can give you a couple games throughout the year and be a plus player in those games i mean you can't we both know that you can't go into camp next year with makai as your number one guy i i just don't think that's Unless he shows you something, I mean, OTAs don't tell you much of anything, but if he shows you in OTAs that he's dropped, you know, if he's coming in 340, whatever his number is, and he's looking really good and limber, and you say to yourself, okay, maybe we got something here, 
But even then, it's like you still need bookend tackles, right? You still need guys on both sides. And Becton being in great shape shouldn't preclude them from taking a tackle in this draft, especially in the first round. So, I, I mean, I hope it works out for him, man. I really do. I, I it just he he's he's the key in a lot of ways, which is a scary thing to say, right? Because then you, if you can somehow salvage him and he can be a right tackle and he saves so much a capital for you. Like you don't have to worry about it too much moving forward. I mean, he's a keen, a lot of, but you said it how many times Mackay, Mackay and Beckton, Beckton and hope isn't a good plan, right? Nope. It's not a good plan. So we'll see what comes out of it, but a little bit encouraged to see how much weight he's dropped. Yeah. Kind of tangential to that. So injury update, uh, extra nugget glean from Carl Lawson that he had to get, an extra procedure done on his Achilles after tweaking it um, in his rehab process in January, which maybe gives some extra context to his slower start. And mm-hmm. just with like the attitude that he like, I feel like for months. Yeah. I'll say months. I was going to, I was going to try to walk it back and say weeks. I'll say for months, Lawson's been kind of circled as a guy that's like, Hey, that's a, that's an easy 15 million in cap savings. Right. And it's like, mm-hmm. Man, I, like you go into the into the season, and it's like, all right, get through the season. We can cut Mosley, we can cut Lawson, we can cut Corey. We got a lot of money to play with, and it's like, man, you look at it now, and it's like, it feels like there's an easy path to like retaining every single one of those guys, right? And I don't know that we do. I think there's probably a lot of opportunity in terms of restructuring and stretching and and moving some of this cap around, but. Um, like any any three of the like two out of three of those guys making the roster next year would not surprise me. Um at this at this point I'd almost expect it, right? Because cutting any of those guys leaves a massive hole at a well at a at a at a position where we don't have a whole lot right. behind it. Carl feels like the one where it's like he's the most expendable, where you have a Michael Clemens, you have a Jermaine Johnson who you're hoping to take that next step, but but Lawson's also just such like such a mental presence, such a leadership presence, such a rehab warrior. Um, like he is a presence in that locker room and it it shows. Um I don't know, man. It it's tough, but that that was that was very interesting to learn. And it's, it's interesting how something like that keeps quiet for an entire season, too. Yeah. But I mean that's that's kind of a testament to Douglas and and just this team in general that they don't let a lot of a lot of leaks get through, which is a good thing. So good on them for keeping that quiet because you don't want it to, like you don't want that to linger all season and you say to yourself, well, this guy's playing hurt. Is he actually, you know, whatever. So ultimately it's a good thing that that didn't get out. So I was just looking at Lawson's numbers real quick. Over his last one, two, three, five games, he had Five, eight, 13, 16 pressures over his last five games, which is the most like over a five game stretch outside of like his eight pressure game versus Miami the first time around, which, you know, good for him, but whatever. Um, it's Miami the first time around, but uh, ultimately, listen, man, like you said, you said to yourself, that's like an easy cut in the beginning. Is it actually, who knows? I don't know. I, you know, restructure, we're going to do the, uh, what is it? The the cut uh, cut keep restructure uh, games in the near future. So we'll we'll talk about Lawson a little bit more there. But 
you know, good on them for, for keeping that quiet for the entire yeah. season. All right, so let's move on to this this week's Top Gun. And you know what? This is a season-long Top Gun because I, I, I do want to give a heartfelt thank you to everybody out there in Jets Discord. You are the Top Gun. Uh, lots of good conversation this year. Anytime we had segments that we were running crowdsourcing from, everybody, you know, mostly vid stuff and ninja and and salad face but uh everybody chipped in and here and there and and i really appreciate that and Sliz does too so uh, you know was, this has been a fun experiment for us and and we're satisfied with the way it's come out i hope everybody else is and heading into the off season we got a lot of fun stuff planned and next year we're going to come back bigger and better so oh, big yeah, shout baby. out to big shout out to jets to jets discord for winning this week's top gun all right so as we move forward Season wrap-up segment. So we have some prompts here. Uh, you know, some good, some bad, some, you know, not enjoyable stuff. But let's start with this. Who is the biggest uh, disappointment of the 2022 season for you? So I put Elijah Moore, which Zach's probably an honorary mention there. But just the whole Elijah Moore saga and the lack of productivity and mm-hmm. like a second year player, I, he, he's got to be the most disappointing for me. So like such high hopes and like Garrett totally broke out in a big way. And it's like, all right, man, we, we got some guys now like Corey, you're relegated to wide receiver three. We got two guys that are going to be the future at the position. It's like you, d- you don't know. Right. Like we come out of this where you feel just bad about his entire season and about his attitude, about everything, man. And right. and does he have some legitimate gripes with the way the offense was run and the quarterback play was and his target share? Yes. But like, man, you got to be bigger than that. You're, you're in your second year. Keep it behind closed doors. Work it out with the staff. The curious thing to me, and I think we've mentioned this on the, on the podcast so Elijah Moore's always kind of been a guy who's run second fiddle to, you know, in college, he was mostly a second fiddle guy, you know, AJ Brown, whoever else, DK Metcalf, they always praised him for being a great teammate. And the team seems to, I mean, the wide receiver room at least seems to like him. Right. I'm very curious if the Garrett Wilson pick had him feeling some type of way. And that's kind of why he had the outburst when he did. And he was maybe disappointed with his with his role or whatever. I don't I don't know. Like looking back at it, I can understand why that would shake him the wrong way because you go from last year saying to yourself, "Well, I'm going to be wide receiver one on this team," to the team actually going out and drafting a wide receiver one. So definitely a disappointment. I mean, for me, Zach Wilson. I mean, the thing about Zach is that this entire off season, it's the Idaho trip and hashtag Wesco was there from the Jeff Fuel lost episodes. Um, to the whole MILF saga, to you're hearing the things, man, he looks sharp. You're hearing the, the training camp reports. He looks good. You're seeing the throws in training camp. You're seeing some of the beat writer tweets. He looks sharp. And then, you know, we had up, up and down day. The offense is up and down days, whatever. But you say to yourself, oh, man, he's figured it out. Then he gets hurt. Remember when we dumpstered the Falcons and the Giants in preseason? Yep. Yeah, uh-huh. only to end up with the same record as the Falcons and worse yeah. than the Giants. Yeah, I mean, you know, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? 
Um, so, so Zach's my, my biggest disappointment this year. You said to yourself, there's no way that this kid can miss. And I even said it, you know, I raised my hand when I'm, when I'm wrong. One of the first questions that we, we had from earlier in the year was like, hashtag is Zach him. Right. And I said, yeah, because what I saw from that Pittsburgh game was like, all right, he's figured it out, but it turns out he may not be him. In fact, so probably not, (laughs) probably not, (laughs) probably most definitely not, but maybe there's still maybe still maybe there's always a maybe we'll see. So as big a surprise. Yeah, I think we're uh, in lockstep, man. I was cornerback averse at 1.04. Very boomer bust pick, man. You could not hit that pick out of the park anymore. Not only like him as a talent on the field, but this dude just carries himself the right way. Great competitor, great locker room guy, just total package, man. And, yeah. and really for a position that has a lot of divas, not that big of a diva either. So right. just absolute sauce, sauce gardener, a plus pick a plus talent, a plus yep. dude. It's gotta be sauce. Yeah. I mean, the thing about cornerbacks is like the same thing with wide receivers is that there's a very, very thin line between just being a jackass and like having that confidence, that swagger, that's still like, it's like people, it attracts people to you. Right. And I think at least for Jets fans, we appreciate that. We know that it's like not BS with sauce that he's legitimate in what he does, you know, and what he says. So big, big surprise from sauce. I mean, this guy was, this guy's just, he, he's something special. He really is best win. This is another one we're in lockstep with. I mean, that bill's win. I made a special, a special intro for the podcast and everything from that bill's win. And Hearing Bob with shoes and call still gives me chills. You know, that second Bills game, not so much, but yeah, it was one of those special, man. Yeah. I mean, that that win, especially going into the bye week, all of a sudden you're like, man, like this team, you you said on this podcast, this team can beat anybody. They can also lose to anybody, which they did a lot of that in the second half of the season. But yeah, it was very, very, it was a great win on so many levels. Hey, I'll shout out to that Cleveland game, just like the most improbable win right. of all time in a situation where we're probably used to being on the other side of. So yeah, just, right. yeah, I'll sh- I'll shout out that game too. Like that that was a sick ending. That Garrett mm-hmm. Wilson touchdown to end that game was was phenomenal. Worst loss, Slice. Yeah, I put the Jaguars on Thursday night football. And I know there's a lot of games in the back half to choose from, but that was truly the game where it felt like it got away, like the season officially got away from us. Like we came out flat. We looked lifeless. It was a team that really we, we need to beat at home. We could have beaten it. We all felt like we could have hung with them, could have beaten them. And we just, it was not close. I know the scoreboard, we only gave up like 20 or whatever. That game was not close at any point in the game. Yeah. It, it was just, it was not close. It wasn't yeah. close on, obviously we didn't do anything on offense. They more or less did most of anything they wanted on defense outside of scoring t- touchdowns. Yeah. Like it, it was not close. And, and the, the two games to follow just followed suit, right? Like yeah. on, on national TV, uh, on, a primetime game after every Jets fan had been asking, when were you going to get respect? When are we going to get a primetime game? Well, you got one and we looked like total garbage. And the thing the is, it's, country. it's not even a real primetime game because everybody plays on <laughs> Thursday night football. Yeah. So it's like, you know, is it actually a primetime game if everybody gets one? But I feel that, Sliz. But you know what? To me, it's still that first Patriots game. Yeah. Because 
you, we went into that game on such a high, right? Like we said to ourselves, like, this is the game. I still reference a Dan Hansa suite that I just brought up. And this was before that first Patriots game. People have no idea how much tomorrow means to the Jets and their fans. This isn't a measuring measuring stick. This is an exorcism. And yeah. it was like, that's a very dramatic tweet, but it's a very good tweet because that's exactly what that game was. Like that was the game that you had to go out and win and prove that you are not the. I hate we it. Did not. We did not. <laughs> and we did not. Right. And, you know, Spencer on the discord, he'll, he'll till the cows come home. He'll blame Zach Wilson for everything this season. I think, you know, it's a bit, a bit extreme, but that was a game that Zach Wilson lost them. And it wasn't just Zach. I mean, it was John Franklin Myers, you know, you fit with the stupid roughing the passer it was a lot that went the other way. So uh, that, that first Patriots game, it just stuck in my craw. And I said to myself after that point, it's like, I wasn't being the hyper doomer, but when is it going to happen? You know, when are we going to beat these damn guys? Because it's not yeah. about Miami. Like Miami's fine. Like we can beat Miami. I won't feel the same way that I'll feel when we beat New England. So maybe next year. So, somehow it feels like we play Buffalo closer than we play New England. Even as good as Buffalo has been. It, it's it, it sucks. <laughs> like, because because it Buffalo, sucks, for some reason, Josh Allen doesn't play well against the Jets. So, I mean, that's a good thing, ultimately, right? Yeah. Because if they're the cream of the crop in the division and we we right now, but that's that's partially what makes this Patriots game so much worse, too, because it's like the Patriots aren't even the Brady Patriots anymore. They're they're the freaking Matt Patricia, Joe Judge Patriots, man. Like like Mac yeah. Jones is Mac Jones looks like a like a freaking seven eleven worker throwing nerf balls out there. Like he's and, and we can't beat these guys. It's just hey, ah. Bell Belichick's ah. back for another year, man. Yeah. Confirmed what I yeah. I gotta I gotta look it up. We'll, we'll bring that up in one of our offseason segments. Man, he's with a nine win season, eight win, nine win, eight win, with however many wins. He's he's like he hasn't had like a true like dumpster season. He's he's chasing that number one head coaching total wins, and he's mm-hmm. he's got to be he's got to be two three seasons away. He's getting close, uh, or he's gonna get there and then retire, and then we'll be rid of him forever. Which hey, if he if he's gonna keep Tweedledee and Tweedledum at, at OC <laughs> around and kind of drive them into the dumpster that while while getting there, and that that's fine by me. Yep. But yeah, hopefully hopefully he'll be gone soon. Yep. Hopefully not yet, but soon. Nope. <laughs> The NFL will fold before before Bill Belichick retires. What's going to happen? So, uh, Sliz, what is the uh, what's the one thing you need to see more from in twenty twenty three? The entire offense, the quarterback <laughs> position, the offensive line, the run game, every wide receiver that's not named Garrett Wilson, the tight ends. Just everything on offense, man. The offensive yep. coordinator, the QV coach, everything on offense, man. Just yep. e- everything. But that's fair. The whole the whole unit needs to take a step forward. Yep. I think that's fair. You know, this is one that like it gets on my nerves a little bit because and and I know you're part of this brigade, so I'll I'll fight you hey, I, virtually. I might have smirk seeing who you listed here. Jermaine Johnson had a pretty good year for his very, very limited role. And Ank says it all the time that you don't want your first round edge rusher to get to the majority of his good grade to come from his run defense. Right. But Jermaine Johnson was a very good run defender this year. I need to see more from him 
in the pass rush game. So we'll see what an offseason does for him. Maybe he'll visit pass rush, pass rush summits. You know, those are always a big thing in the offseason. Listen, he's a rookie, man. Like, that's the thing. Like, it's just this microwave culture of like, man, he, this guy's like, he, oh, well, he didn't have 10 sacks his rookie year. He didn't look like Kayvon Thibodeau over the last, you know, month. So he sucks. He's a boss, whatever. It just drives me insane. It really does. Like, the NFL, more than any other sport aside from maybe baseball, it's like the learning curve from college to the NFL is so steep. And I know like the elite pass rushers, like the Boses of the world and whoever else, the guys that go in top five, like these guys are expected to make the instant impact, right? Jermaine Johnson was a late first round pick, right? Ultimately. And I know you had to trade up to get him, but I do want to see more from him next year because he will have an expanded role in the defense. Yeah, so. he absolutely will. And like we alluded, if we move from on from Carl, that's because you're banking on Jermaine Johnson filling a lot of that void. On right. the other hand, if we don't move on from Lawson, that says a little bit about Jermaine Johnson too, in my mind. Yep. But, I mean, it's there's the whole Bryce Huff question hanging over their head too. Like, what, yeah. what happens with Bryce Huff? So, yeah, and and on that, and I'm gonna plug it here, and I'll probably plug it all off season. I, I do want to caution fans: increasing snap count doesn't necessarily mean linear. Certainly doesn't mean exponential increase in performance and probably doesn't mean linear increase in performance either. I just want to I want to temper that. And I think we had a lot of that similar conversation around the Quinn and Williams snap count thing where there there's a breaking point there. But just getting more snaps and and you need NFL snaps to develop. And I'd say progress in general in the NFL is never linear, right? Mm -mm. Like Jermaine Johnson, he could take a step back before he takes a leap forward. I just want to, I want to temper expectations there. Yeah. And and that's not just because I've been one of the leaders of the, the, the hate the JJ pick fan yep. club. Um, Whatever, man. I, I, you know, and that's true. That's true. Sauce, Sauce Gardner too. Right. Mm. And, and you saw that a little bit with, um, different corner, cornerback especially is a very variable position right there guys take lumps and and we had a lot of health at corner this year but progress isn't linear it's very possible to take a step back in a year or two for a lot of these guys even if it's just for a stretch or a portion of the season um, progress isn't linear especially with Jermaine where like you said he's got a good run floor this dude's gotta figure out his pass rush moves. And and it's not even that I don't think he can he can. Like I think he has the tools. The staff said he's got the tools, he's got the variety. This dude, it's it it's like a mental plan thing. I I don't think he knows how to pass rush yet. And I don't say that he does he knows how to swipe, he knows how to bull rush, he knows how to jab, he knows how to dip. He just doesn't know how to string it together. He doesn't know how to set it up. He doesn't know how he wants to attack certain reps yet. And so you hope that clicks, but that'll take a lot of reps to click. And I don't think it's going to click right away. Certainly mm-hmm. it didn't click right away this year, um, but the snap count was low. At, and, and again, just tempering, just because he has a, an increase in snap count, if he doubles the snap count, does, that doesn't mean he's going to double his sacks and pressures and all that. doesn't mean he's right. going to exponentially increase them either, right? He could take a step back before he takes a step forward. Yep. Sliz, so your lasting image of the 2022 season. Yeah, man. It it's gotta be from that second New England game, that graphic with whatever our like the two point whatever 
feet per play or, or whatever the, the stupid graphic was like inches I, like, I believe it was inches yeah inches per play like that's got to summarize just like our entire second half of just like nothing on offense and, yeah. and it, it summarizes the Jets offense of like the past decade too so yeah <laughs> you know the the Zach Wilson is Anakin Skywalker character arc was pretty entertaining when he was the cameras caught him on the sidelines with the with the hood up looking like uh Hayden Christensen and and uh Revenge of the Sith. So I thought that that was that was for me it's like that could be a, for for Zach that could be a moment of like okay this is where he become Darth becomes Darth Vader or like this is his I hate sand moment. Right? Because it's coarse and grainy and it gets everywhere, right? So it's up to him what he becomes. It, it's totally up to him. It's it's the balls in his court. Guys got to go to work this off season. And and you know what? I don't know how true it is, but Tiki Barber was saying on WFAN at the start of the year, and he was getting killed for this because it's what Jets fans do. They're a pack of rabid dogs. But Tiki Barber was saying, listen, all the things that we've heard about Zach this off season wasn't about how hard he was working or. It wasn't about, man, he looks that much better. It was about, hey, they caught him on a beach in Miami. Is hey, they caught him with this girl. Like his his girlfriend is, is like, hey, he went to Idaho with the guys, you know, went, met Wayne Gretzky and all this stuff. It wasn't about, well, I mean, some of it was, yeah, he was going on like the, the country. He was crisscrossing the country to meet with these guys. But I don't know, man. It just made me a little nervous that uh, ultimately um, – Maybe maybe there was more to it that Tiki was saying than than meets the eye. So, all right, Sliz. Yeah. Do, do we uh do we bank on Zach Wilson growing out the Padawan braid over the offseason? He's kind of got <laughs> the uh, he's got the the young Obi Wan or young Anakin hair going on, right? He's kind of yeah. got the similar look, like Padawan braid. I could see him and Braxton Berrios rolling into camp with Padawan braids. I they would do it. It'll only, uh, I'll only, um, Braxton, he's, he's another one entirely, man, but we'll, t- we'll talk about Braxton this off season, but you know, I mean, when Zach shows up with Natalie Portman, then we'll know things got serious. So we'll all see. right. Fair enough. All right. So there's one, one bold off season prediction. Yeah. I think the jets, I mean, this part's not bold, right? They have to push all in. I think we're going to see this. You, you heard Joe Douglas say we have a lot of cap flexibility. When when you look at our really our effective cap space after you fill up the roster, like and and account for a rookie pool, we don't have that much cap space. So that means he's gonna be doing he's gonna be doing some work. Um, hopefully it doesn't chew into the future too much or set us up you know if we totally fall flat that doesn't handicap us but jets i think are gonna push all in even more than they did last year and the bold prediction is i think the 13th overall pick gets moved in some capacity whether that's trading up trading down maybe or moving it in a swap for a quarterback so that's the bold prediction i'm interested to see what that 13th pick I get a feeling that there are guys. Then this is this is mine. I there will be at least one new QB. I don't know if that's particularly bold, but one new quarterback will be in that room. I think there's going to be three new wide receivers because I think Corey's gone. I think Elijah Moore is traded for. Wow. I think he's traded for some type of capital. 
okay. draft capital. And I think they're going to pick, they're going to take someone in the draft probably on day, maybe early day three to tr- maybe fill out that role, a field stretcher role. Because I, I just don't see Elijah Moore sticking with this team. If, if he, number one, the outburst, I don't think ended up sitting well with anybody. And I, I just don't see how they can let that stand heading in, into next offseason if he's going to be that way. So I, and Corey, like it sucks because listen, I was number one Corey hater entering the season and you saw how much he meant to this offense when he was on the field. Right. Unfortunately for Corey, it's when he's not on the field. Right. And that's a big part of the issue with him is the injuries. And I know you can't protect your head any more than any more than what you, you already do. Right. So like the concussion thing, I mean, that sucks or whatever, but he's got to stay on the field and I just don't see them retaining him at, at that, you know, it is at his price, you know, maybe they'll restructure. I don't know, but I think there's going to be three new wide receivers in that room. And last but not least, I think there's going to be four new offensive linemen in that room. I think Joe Douglas is going to go ham on the offensive line this offseason. I think you're talking both tackle spots. You're going to talk probably center. I wouldn't be surprised if they replaced McGovern for someone they they like in the draft. I just yeah, McGovern is like he's he's too wishy-washy, he's too inconsistent. And I think that they can do at least league average, if not blow past that in the draft. So we'll see. And potentially a new guard, depending on I know you Lakin is kind of unmovable, but we'll see what they do with Lakin because he was so bad, man. Like aside from moving AVT back to left guard next year and trying out Lakin at right at right guard and seeing where that goes, something that they actually didn't do this year at all. I don't understand why, but I think that's his only recourse. So we'll see. A lot, a lot of changes coming on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, that thing, you know, just zooming out. I think the defense side is pretty, it's pretty straightforward what we need to do on defense. We need to fill in some of the D tackle spots. We have the entire room is free agents except for Quinnen. I think you can bring some of those guys back for pretty cheap. DT is usually a, a spot you can, you can get a body in the room for pretty cheap in the draft. You need a, a free safety and you need something. You need some level of juice in the linebacker room. Like, like it's mm-hmm. pretty straightforward. You need one guy at least at each level up the middle of the defense and we'll be okay. Jamie On Sherwood. Offense, you got Jamie Sherwood. What? Yeah, Jamie Sherwood. Baby. Jamie Sherwood, man. <laughs> Telling you. He's going to be on, him. On offense, you got you to gotta fix a lot. You got to fix a lot, including the most important spot on the team. Mm-hmm. All right, so Liz, it's time for a port card. So let's let's grade the season. Let's start with the offense. We're we're in agreement here. We both gave the offense D's. Double D's, but not the kind most guys like. But uh um yeah, I mean what can be what can be said? I, I said it about LaFleur before. His offense is good when it's rolling. And when things are going well and you have the players in there to run it and you can play different, you can have different looks out of different plays out of similar looks and all that stuff. It's great. But I do think that it gets to a point that he has to manufacture a little bit more. And that's something that we didn't see at all this year. And I understand the personnel is a big part of it and he can't do what he wants to do on it, whatever. That's fine. But there's got to be ways that you can be better than scoring six, six, and nine points 
in in the last three games of the of the season. Like, yeah, the it's lack embarrassing. Of any type of creativity down the stretch was definitely discouraging, and really that that couple week stretch with the pony package probably saves this grade. But it was it was bad on all fronts. Again, offensive line was awful. Wide receiver room outside of Garrett was very inconsistent, largely not very good. Quarterback play was collectively probably the worst in the league, and that's saying yeah. a lot because there were a lot of bad quarterback rooms this year. Right. I, I don't want to correct myself because we were correct. We hold ourselves accountable here. It was three, six, and six points over the last three games of the year. I mean, 15 points over three games, dude. Yeah, that's bad. Against against the Jaguar, Seahawks, and the Dolphins. Yeah. That's horrendous. Yeah. Horrendous. So a lot of work to be done. A lot of work to be done. Not quite failing, but close to it. Let's move to the defense list. I gave them a B plus. It would have been an A minus if they didn't piss me off so much in like the last five, five or six weeks. But uh, what what did you give them? What, what how did you see the defense grading out? Yeah, maybe a surprise grade because I feel like I've been one of the toughest verbally on our defense. But I gave them an A minus, and I mm-hmm. think a lot of that's just attributing it to the one year turnaround. Right. Like we went from, and I really don't think it was a historically bad defense. I pulled I pulled the DVOA DVOA numbers a lot when all that discourse was going around, like. We weren't, we weren't by DVOA, we weren't one of the bottom five defenses of the past decade, even. But that going from worst defense in the league pretty easily, just the one year turnaround, getting studs at some of the most important positions on defense. And then it, it's an easy plan, right? I think we have a, a, a clear weakness on our defense, which holds it back from being an A or an A. I've, I have said all year, you know, we are not an elite defense. We're a very, very good defense, but our flaws are very obvious and teams can pick on those flaws more or less at will. Mm-hmm. Um, until you fix that, it holds us back from being the elite elite in the category of those Bears defenses, of those Ravens defenses, even the, the Revis Jets defenses, I think are held at a higher standard than what we had this year. But we're we're right there and i think we can get there with with fair investment i don't think it, it takes a lot to get there you just right. need, you need the right investment to get right there. special teams i was very hard on special teams and again i think it's because of the 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 drop off from last year where last year we were a top top team in the league in special teams this year man Fell off a cliff. I put it at D plus, which maybe that's too critical, but like, man, our punt, like just our entire punt and coverage units were awful, man. Punk and and what awful, makes it? I just want to cut and say awful, man. Is uh, what's what's yeah. the word I'm looking for? That's uh, <laughs> you know that that's it's one of those things that you know. It's uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? You don't have to say it twice because it's all the same thing, right? Awful man. Right? Yep. It's awful. I totally lost it there. I haven't been drinking, I You're promise. Good. So is that. Like, the, I think the most frustrating part about our punk coverage unit is, like, we've retained Boyer. Like, Boyer gang or die, right? And 
it just fell off a cliff, but it fell off a cliff when we made a lot of Boyer investments, right? We have Justin Hardy, which is a pure special teams investment. We have Brandon Eccles, who we kept on the roster, who's a special teams guy. We've kept Jeff Smith around as a special teams guy. We kept Tony Adams on the roster over Jason Pinnock due to special teams. We've kept Kenny Yeboah around for special teams. And then for we spent a draft pick on Braden Mann. We kept him over Thomas Morstead mm-hmm. for special teams. And it, it just all unraveled this year, man, in, in multiple spots and multiple games, right? Like that, that ultimately costs you the New England game and probably the Detroit game, right? The two two punt returns and it 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 flips games, man. Special teams special teams generally doesn't win any games, but man, does it lose games. Yeah. Man, does it lose games and and you know gra- the what what salvages it is the Greg the leg 60-yard kick and I think he did a good enough job where he deserves to be brought back next year and and he gives you a sh- he gives you a chance on any kick that you're going for. And that's, that's what you want in a kicker. Yeah. Kind of the same, same exact logic that you had for all that. I gave him a C minus. I think the thing about Braden man is like, I don't think he was all bad this year. Like I, he was bad this year. Right. But the thing that made him worse is that his shanks came at the worst possible time. Yeah. Like consistently I've never seen a puncher choke. Like, it's just unbelievable. Like, you got one job, dude. Just kick the ball really far, and sometimes at a corner. Like, that's it. That's that's your job, like, to kick the ball far, right? And I've never seen him, like, in a position where, okay, dude, we need, like, to really flip the field here, and he gives you 25 yards. You know, it's like, it was just, it was tough. Tough to watch special teams this year. Braxton Berrios, another guy, like, you know, you sign this guy, yeah. all pro returner, you know, and and I understand, like, you're putting him in a position in some of these games where, like, okay, well, you're expecting him to be, you know, that gadget guy slash, you know, that maybe possession guy that Zach built a rapport with, right? And that was, that was a big, people forget that was a big part of the reason too that he was brought back is that Zach felt comfortable with Braxton in that offense and you could see it last oh, yeah. year, right? Yeah, big time. You saw it so, beginning of this year too. Right. So it's like, it's not, it wasn't too far-fetched to, to bring him back, but he certainly took a step back and there's just some, I understand the punt, you know, the punt coverage is bad, but like just some punts that he didn't grab at all yeah right a lot I'm, that he just kind of went over his head there's the one where he like ducked at the last minute and it uh, almost hit him and yeah, yeah doing gymnastics around it yeah 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 just weird and i know that again the coverage team didn't, didn't give him much room to work a lot of the time but just not not great and last but not least list coaching what did you give the coaches uh, as a grade i gave him a b i think in general i think sola is a good coach I think certainly on his side of the ball and, and Ulbrick and he turned it around on defense. I think obviously the offensive side leaves a lot to be desired, but mm-hmm. in general, I think our coaching was good this year. And I think Sala managed, and, and we talked about this on a previous pod, man. I feel like Sala managed so many difficult circumstances and generally still had the team buying in. He, I think any, I think he generally managed it well. Um, I think outside of that Lions game with the, with the timeout stuff, I think he generally managed in-game decisions very well. I think he managed personnel pretty well. Um, it's hard for me to be too down on Sala in general, right? It's like uh, defense is, is an A, special teams ha- took a step back, but 
coaching on that ha- at least has a proven track record. I think it, our head coach and all those facets did well. Offense is where you look, and that's where you expect some turnover and new faces. Just imagine before the start of the season, you would have said one of the coordinators is on the hot seat and it's not Jeff Ulbrich. Yeah. Just imagine if you were to say that before the season, right? Because how much did we all hate Jeff Ulbrich last year? And it, listen, it's one of those things like, all right, let's get the right guys in this in this scheme, give them a second year and see what happens. And we saw it it paid dividends, right? Oh, yeah. So I gave the I gave coaching a B2 pretty much again for the same reasons you did. So I just think that this offense, for the reasons that we outlined, it was the creativity not there. It was the lack of consistency all season long. It's just you know, not great. Sala, honestly, is the least of my worries. I think for a guy that's only been dealing with the New York media for just over two years, for just over a year now, right? Two years now. It's like he seems to get it. He gives them nothing, right? And and the things that he does give you is up for like, okay, well, let's parse through this. Let's read between the lines, right? We know what he says. It's co- a lot of it is coach speak, right? Everybody making a big deal about his Joe Flacco Ford comments. Like, give me a break, right? Like, whatever. I don't. I don't care about all that. But I think that Salah is again. He's the least of my worries. I saw he yeah. managed games well this year. He managed the media well. The team plays for him. Does it suck to finish the game to finish the season on a six game losing streak? Absolutely. He never looked over his head, ever. He except for like you mentioned the timeouts in the Detroit game, which is bizarre. But I think Solid, he's a damn good coach, and I'm very excited to see what what Joe Douglas does this off season to keep them humming along moving forward. So, all right, so let's let's move on to the geek of the week, and there's a lot, there's a lot, particularly one group. Who'd you who'd you decide to uh, to give the Man. Give the title to this week. I put it as us, the Jets fans, for thinking the season would end any differently. Yep. Yep. They are who we thought they were. (laughs) You actually, you actually got the quote right this time, so that's good. I I did. They are who (laughs) they are who we thought they were, man. The the Jets do it again. So I don't know. We'll we'll see, man. We'll see. Lot. I don't have an opinion on next season. Obviously, we have a full off season ahead of us, and and it's it's it'll be as turbulent as the last off season, just in a totally different way. I think yep. there's so much ahead of us. I think it's there's going to be a lot of QB movement around the league. It, again, sucks that we're potentially back on the carousel with quarterback, but it's yeah, there will be a lot to talk about, man. Yeah. <laughs> The thing is, Liz, again, and we mentioned this last podcast, if you were to say that the Jets would finish 7-10 and 10 this year, I think that would align with what most people would say, right? I think that's like about where they were going to be at. But you were hoping that they would be the reverse Lions, right? You, you would hope that they would be exactly, I'm sorry, exactly like the Lions, where they started the season poorly and they were figuring it out as they go along, right? Instead, yep. we got the defense looking damn good for a really long time and, you know, for most of the season. And then you get to a point where it's like, oh, God, is this going to turn? And that's exactly what they did. So um, 7 and 10, I mean, it, I don't want to say it's hard to be disappointed. It is disappointing because of the way that they got there, right? But you just hope that next season is playoffs, man. 
playoffs. Yep. It's, it's, it has to be playoffs next year. It just yeah. absolutely has to be. Legitimately, playoffs are bust, and and I, I don't throw that around lightly. Like, if we're not in the playoffs with the with the the seventh seed with that third wild card, if we're not in the playoffs, I expect us to clean house. And I mean, it's probably well earned to clean house if we're yeah. in the playoffs. And and here's the thing: it's like we've already seen this year that we can manage Miami, yeah, with our secondary. Right, regardless of who's playing quarterback, because um, we didn't play two of this year, but we can manage Miami. We were built to manage Miami. We there's no way the New England's getting better than what they are now, unless they take a massive jump this offseason. And I just don't see how they do it. Right. And Buffalo's still the cream of the crop in the division. They're still very good. You know, I said before the season, I feel like their window is kind of closing. I still kind of feel that way because I don't think that they're invincible. I think they're one of the three best in the AFC right now, but I, I don't think that they can't be and we beat them this year, right? So it's it has to be playoffs next year, period. It has to be. And yep. with you see it's the teams that they're playing next year, they play the NFC, like there's no way. There's no way. So we'll see. We shall see. All right, Sliz, let's bring it in for a landing. This is the landing strip. What's on your mind? Yeah, I got a couple things. We'll keep it on the Jets to start. I know uh, people jump ahead to the landing strip to stop thinking about the Jets, but <laughs> we were uh, doing an exercise in Discord this week, man. Looking ahead uh, as, as we were kind of watching the um, watching the weekend unfold in teams that can be forced to be put on HBO's Hard Knocks. The Jets are one of those teams. We were one of three finalists last year. Of course, the Lions got it, and so – after after the uh, kind of the shuffle here and with some of the firings, so currently these teams can be forced to be on HBO Hard Knocks in 2023. You have the Jets, you have the Commanders, assuming they don't move on from Ron Rivera, which I think is still a strong possibility. You have the Saints, and you have the Bears. So four teams there. Certainly feels like... Um, regardless of firing their coach that the NFL is not going to want to put Washington in the, uh, the limelight with the ownership situation and all that going on. Um, the bears could be intriguing with the first overall pick and probably adding a lot to that, that roster, the saints kind of feel if it's Dennis Allen, they, they kind of just feel like a, a team that just exists. So I don't know, man. I, I'm uh, fully on the the New York media circus, HBO, in a do or die year for the Jets. New quarterback in town. It it feels like it has a whole lot of the uh, the narrative ball going. You got yeah. you got Anakin Zach looming in the background. Like I don't know, man. I, I'd be all I'd be all for it. Probably isn't the best for the uh, the locker room and trying to get the guys aligned, but um, it, it could happen. You know, ultimately, I if you were to ask me this question like six-ish years ago, I'd say to you, I want no part of Hard Knocks, but it's turned into a propaganda machine yep. now. So like like Hard Knocks is not when it was when Rex was around, right? Yeah. Where it was like a totally like unfiltered look at these teams. And um, now it's just totally like, hey, look at this, you know, this this guy who who's on the bubble and he might not make the team and he might make the t- like, you know, it's it's that kind of like fluffy BS. So like, Yes, it's annoying to have the extra cameras there. And, you know, one jet drive is already a thing and and flight 2023 is going to be a thing, right? So I, I guess they're used to having the cameras around. I mean, maybe not an HBO production crew, 
I wouldn't hate it. I just like it. It is what it is, right? Like I don't, I don't see, and especially with a solid coach team, I don't think they're going to give them a damn thing yep. that they want. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But just wanted to put it out there, and and just because those teams are the ones that they can force doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be one of those teams either. So right. important, important note, but so I don't know. We, we, we check a lot of boxes on uh, I'd assume what would make good television. So um, second one. And man, this is going to show my, uh, my baseball, um, I don't know, lack of paying attention or just my, my casual fanness in baseball. Is it, is it Correa? Yeah. Nice. Dude, just the whole Korea saga <laughs> that I've been uh, watching from afar, man. Like, it, it's I don't I don't know. Like, I feel like I fo- follow enough sports or most sports, like at least at a casual level. It's so weird to see this dude go. Like, like I think Rappaport sent out the tweet summarizing all of his contract stuff this off season like it it's just it's crazy man i don't know that i've ever seen something like that in two different teams bringing them in and basically failing them on a physical it, it it's it's weird man we don't talk baseball much on this podcast so this excites me so he yeah, went that, from this is your comfort zone so he went from 13 years 350 million dollars from the giants to everybody making fun of the giants for pulling out because they say he got cold they got cold feet which you know may or still may or may not be true we're not entirely sure to the to the Mets who gave him 12 years 315 million dollars so he cost himself you know 35 million dollars in that initial splurge and then the Mets backing out for the same medical issues over a right right ankle that may or may not be bulky and may yeah. or may not give out to signing a deal today for 6 years and 200 million dollars which can go up to 270 million dollars with the four vesting option years at the end of it so Total contract can be 10 years and $270 million if he's not a one-legged man at the end of it. So totally bizarre. Yeah. Totally, totally weird. bizarre. And the radio silence around it for a little bit. Yeah. And of course, the the player association has to get involved when they're talking right. through like custom weird stipulations and contract. Like it's just yeah. weird, man. It, like just as like a sports fan in general, stuff like this is so, so interesting to watch and unfold, especially because things like this, like, yes, it's in baseball, but stuff like that leaks into other leagues over time, too. And it, yeah, it, it's just pending so physical, pending physical two words that have much, much bigger meaning after this whole career saga. For every, yeah. every baseball fan out there. Yeah, where normally you just brush off pen. It's like, okay, it's a done deal. Like, yep. of course, these dudes are going to pass their fit. It's just weird. Yeah. Especially like it was an ankle injury from like years ago, too. 2014 that yeah. he had repaired. It was yeah. injured in a minor league. Very strange. The whole situation is very strange. So, but, yeah. but that's my uh, my baseball plug <laughs> for, Thank for you. now. And then, uh, the last one is some arts and crafts and not that anything I did was difficult, but patting myself on the back, very proud of myself, went to Hobby Lobby and bought some fabric, which I had to figure out like how I do that. Right. I was like, I told the lady, like, I don't know measurement wise what I'm, you know, I was like, these are the measurements I want. Like, how do I get it? Picked out some fabric, but, um, my, we're, we're, we've been setting up my daughter's new room and, She's going to have a toddler bed kind of under a lofted twin bed. And it just had like an ugly piece of plywood 
underneath it, underneath the uh, the top bunk there. So got some fabric with, you know, kind of some sky with with some cloud shading in it and some stars wow. on it. Stapled it to the plywood. Man, it looks good. It looks so good, man. I was wow. proud of myself. Building the little building the little sky dome for for the bed. So that's beautiful. Just, yeah, I'm 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 excited, man. New rooms coming along great. I went into Hobby Lobby once on like a Christmas Eve and I'm never doing it again. <laughs> Those women are insane, bro. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the line, the line gets a little chaotic. That's yeah. for sure. That's crazy. So I've been going back to the gym again, which is great. I feel like I'm getting in a routine again. I, I nice. did, worked out shoulders for the first time in, in like a year today. Okay. I don't really, you know, I hate, it's like my least favorite thing to do. I feel fine for now. We'll see how I feel in the morning, but gym is great, man. If anybody ever has any gym playlist recommendations, please send it my way. I'm mostly like a metalcore guy in the gym. I like workout angry. It's good for me. Uh, it gets a lot, a lot of frustration from the jets out. So that's good. Hey, they were um, posting some uh, 303 in the uh, the Discord today. Man, a little, little throwback there. I haven't heard that. I haven't <laughs> heard 303 since 2011. I think 2010. My God. Yeah. Yeah. They. That. Yeah. Let's. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna say I'm old, but you so, know, sm- small chimps always got some uh, recommendations on deck for you. He's gonna send me some uh, Russian dance dance music. Yeah, I'm dude, sure. some Russian pop. He's all about that. Yeah, uh, Judgment is a fantastic game. Very, very good video game from the people who do the Yakuza series, Sega, and and their whole project. Uh, I forget what the name of the development team there is. Excellent game. I can't put it down. I'm almost done with it, and then there's a second one that I might, I may or may not play after that other stuff I had to get to. But very, very good game. Highly recommend. Last but not least. I started up the soda stream today for the first time, and I couldn't even tell you how long. I, I really like my soda stream. It helps me with like guilt-free beverages, which is nice. And I bought this little, little Mio orange vanilla, uh, little squirty packet package things you put in the you know flavor your and I put that in the carbonated water. It's really good. Nice. It's really good. It tastes like a Stewart's orange cream. And I love Ooh. I love Stewart's orange cream. So yeah, that's good. Uh big fan of the soda stream. I should I want to say I should use it more often because ultimately I probably shouldn't, but it's uh, I do like the soda stream. It's a very good. It's it's one of those like there's so many kitchen appliances now, man. There's like so many like you got the yeah. toaster ovens, like which I think are useless, but people love the toaster ovens. You got the air fryer, you got the soda stream. Nespresso's in addition to a coffee maker, if that's the way you want to go. Like there's just so many kitchen appliances. I don't need all this stuff. Yeah, I but, got a waffle you know. maker, an instant pot, a crock yeah, pot, man. a crock skillet, pot, like, a, um, like a cast iron stovetop skillet thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, I forget I have half of it. And it's like, oh man, why have I been doing this the whole time? I had this right? tool to do this exact thing. <laughs> right. It's like, but then it's all clunky and you can't put this stuff away. So yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, as, as we wrap up this episode, uh, our schedule is going to be a little bit different heading into the off season. I'm sure there'll be gaps in when we post things, but we want to be as consistent as possible. But next week is our, is the jet fuel season finale spectacular. We're going to have some guests on, uh, hopefully one mystery guest that people will be very excited about. I'm not even going to tell Sliz, but we'll see if that works out. If not, then we'll all just be disappointed and I'll edit this out later, but whatever. But we have some guests on next week. I'm very excited for that. 
Um, we even have a member of the Discord who will be joining us on the podcast. Nice. So that'll be that'll be a lot of fun next week. So that'll be our season finale episode, and then we'll take a little bit of a break and we'll re regroup uh, around the end of the Super Bowl, uh, so we can start really getting into off season stuff in the new league year and and how we see the off season shaking out. So. Uh, thank you all again for sticking with us. If you've come with us this far in our lengthy episodes and our landing strips and our hatred of Michael Floor and all this stuff. So that'll do it for this episode of Jet Fuel, the Jets Discord podcast. Obviously, you already found us, but you can continue to find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts. Please leave a five-star review where applicable. It does something. I'm not sure what, but something. You can find us on Twitter at Jet Fuel Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Rivera SN. Sliz, where can the people find you? Yep, at Sliz underscore NYJ. I'm starting to do a better job of cross-posting all the conversations we're having on Discord, man. Nice. So we're, we're, I, we're getting there. Slowly I, try, I try liking your tweets when I see them pop up, so hopefully that helps. So we'll see. Uh, you can always send us an email at jetfueldiscordpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, you can join the Discord for all of our off-season conversations. Sliz, where can the people join the Discord? Yeah, find us at discord.gg slash NYJets and off seasons honest it's the time of the year where everyone's united hope springs hope springs eternal man we'll have some debates over who the best guy is but generally we all rally around the dude we get end up with and we'll do some mock off seasons some mock drafts lots of fun to be had man draft draft days draft day is one of the one of it's our super bowl so Mm -hmm. yeah draft draft day is a fun day Draft and scouting channel exclusively Until we trade for that. all of our picks to move up to grab a boomer edge and and then the, <laughs> a, a run trade up for running. Yeah. Shut up, Sliz. <laughs> Just be happy. Just be happy for once in your life. My goodness. Anyway. We took Garrett Wilson, baby. I, I yeah. can't complain. Works out. But that'll do it for this week's Jet Fuel. For Matt Salard, I am Joe Rivera reminding you, can't take flight without Jet Fuel.